the Sheriff's Shuffle 5K Run Walk is back. And this year, it raises funds to support Sheriff Nick Kochi's Youth Leadership Academy. Want to learn more? Listen up. What's the Youth Leadership Academy? The Youth Leadership Academy is a summer day camp that provides Western Mass youth ages 7 through 12 positive role models and life experiences for those who can't afford a traditional camp experience. This year, 120 children participated. Who pays for the Youth Leadership Academy? All expenses are covered by donations, like the Sheriff's Shuffle. So when is the Sheriff's Shuffle? It's Sunday, October 15th. And where is it? It's at the Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke. And what time should I be there? Registration starts at 8 a.m. The race begins at 10.30 a.m. How much is it? It's only $35 to pre-register. Where can I sign up? Google HamptonCountySheriff.org and click on the link. Hey, where are you going? I'm going to sign up for the Sheriff's Shuffle. See you there. The ideas and opinions expressed in this show do not reflect the views of WHMP or Saga Communications. This show may contain subject matter not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. There are many phenomena in life that we cannot control. Examples include aging, illness, an angry boss, the weather, poor reception to our work, our competition, and the missteps of our children. What we can control, however, is what we do in response, and that is where our focus ought to lie. Brad Stolberg, Master of Change. Hi, I'm Lisa Riley, and each week we're here to share the narratives of people and programs that are both inside and outside the criminal justice system, the reality of life behind the wall and recovery, and the stigmas that surround those who have been impacted by the justice system, and the inspiring stories that prove that failure isn't final. This is The Hustler Files. Welcome, everyone, to this week's The Hustler Files. The Dalai Lama defines compassion as a sensitivity to the suffering of others with a commitment to do something about it. Today, we are so thrilled to have with us Sherry Garcia. She's a social innovator, and she is the founder of a staffing agency for Second Chances, interestingly called Cornbread Hustle. And her mission is to unite people returning from incarceration and those in recovery with employers ready to give them a fresh start. Sherry, welcome to this week's The Hustler Files. Hi, how are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. We got introduced via a previous guest, Jeffrey Korzenik, whose book Untapped Talent actually you were featured in, correct? Yes, and I actually just realized that several years later. I had no idea. I just recently read his book and I get to meet him in a month or so, and I can't wait to tell him that all his theories and everything he came up with after interviewing several different people in the whole Second Chance space, all of it is very accurate. I know, and it's a wonderful book, and I I always mention it whenever I can, so people will, will go order it. So let's talk about you. Give us a little bit of background on Sherry Garcia. Your background really was such a trajectory into what is now this social innovation organization. Yes, it was. I grew up in a really great neighborhood, and I had a, a stable family, and 
I ended up trying meth while I was in high school, and I got severely addicted. I did it every single day for two years. I was addicted the second I took my first hit. And I ended up getting in trouble for petty crimes and had warrants and ended up getting sober from meth, not anything else yet. And I just went on this incredibly difficult journey of trying to find myself, become an entrepreneur while getting rid of substances, mind-altering substances, one substance at a time. Don't recommend to anybody to do it that way, but that was my journey. And so fast forward to today, I am coming up on five years sober from everything, including alcohol. And I do have an organization that places people coming out of prison or people in recovery and them in meaningful employment. And we hire thousands of people. So that is the short version of my story. Well, congratulations on your sobriety. That is no small feat. And I do just want to mention, you did this kind of almost cold turkey, right? With everything, you just made up the mindset that you were going to become sober. So whenever I got off meth, it was cold turkey, but I had a whole bunch of other problems that followed that because I didn't get into a 12-step program or work on my trauma, it manifested in other areas. I wouldn't say that my recovery today is anything close to cold turkey because it's just been so much of peeling back the onion and figuring out where this all started. So you took the journey into the media field, correct, before you became this social innovator? Yeah, so I had always wanted to be a news reporter. Even in high school, I created a kind of a news desk for the students. And when I got clean from meth, I was like, okay, what did I want to do again? And everything just, I started everything over. Like, what were my passions? I got back into coaching gymnastics because I missed cheerleading. I wanted to pursue being a news reporter, so I did that. So I did end up working at CBS 11 News in Dallas and another small news station. And as I was working in the newsroom, I was bit by the entrepreneurial bug very early on. Even when I was in high school, even through my addiction, I started my first real company. It was my first real profit, and it was a photography studio. And while I was working in the newsroom, I ended up coming up with a invention idea, and I got it manufactured. And I always tell people my patent is my degree and my manufacturing cost is my tuition. So I've just learned a lot of my entrepreneurship skills through experience of mostly failure. That's where I've had most of my lessons. And eventually, as time went on, I had heard about the prison entrepreneurship program and knowing my own personal story and knowing how rebellious I had been and how resilient that I had become, I thought, okay, maybe I can go into prisons and help people learn how to start businesses. And so a couple of years of doing that, I ended up meeting with people as they got out of prison and having $50 in a bus ticket isn't a really great foundation to start a business. So what we did was reverse engineer their goals and figure out, okay, what kind of job can you get 
that will help you realize your dreams over the next several years to eventually own that business. And so sitting down and mapping out those goals and helping these returned citizens find employment, I had to get honest with myself and say, okay, well, if I'm so passionate about this and I'm spending most of my days helping others find employment, how am I going to make money? And so I got on Google and I typed in how to start a stocking agency. And I literally went through the 10 steps of the wiki how that it had there. And every step, I'd Google some more and Google some more. I mean, there were so many. I didn't even know what HR meant when I started this staffing agency. I was like, what does HR mean? Oh, human resources. Oh, yeah, that's that place I used to get in trouble at all the time <laughs> at my job. Wow. One of the things I loved when I first spoke to you is just the processes that you took, the step by step by step. And I think that's just an innate piece of who you are. And and I haven't even met you in person, but just our conversation. And then to hear you talk about it again, and that you had the foresight to say, okay, wait a minute, I'm mapping out other people's goals with them. I'm not mapping out my own. Maybe I need to step back and do that. And how do I do that? So talk to us a little bit about about that first person that you helped to get a job and and what that was like. That was 2016, and that first person you're talking about, his name was Benny, and he had never used a computer before. He was in prison for 20 years, and I showed him Google. First, we logged on to Wi-Fi. It blew his mind that you could type in anything and just ask a question. And so that's what we did. We sat there and we typed in, you know, mural painting company Dallas because his dream was to paint murals. And I picked up the phone and I called the owner and I was like, hey, I have this guy sitting next to me. I'm helping with a nonprofit. I didn't lead with, hey, I'm with the prison entrepreneurship program. (laughs) And I said, hey, he's very talented. I've seen his work. I'm looking at it right now. I see the work that you guys do. I think there's an alignment. He wants to learn from you. So he's willing to come in at the bare minimum, whatever you're willing to pay. Because at the time, he was about to accept a job for $7.50 an hour as a dishwasher. So he would have been over the moon happy for a $10 an hour job for something that he could enjoy and learn from. And so I told the guy, you know, like maybe $10 an hour, that would be great. And he was like, okay, well, sure. What's the catch? And I was like, well, he did just get out of prison for attempted murder, but he's a really nice guy. And if you interview him, I'll show up. We can meet at a Starbucks in a public place. If you don't hire him, no harm, no foul. And he ended up getting hired on the spot. Fast forward to today, Benny has lived a really great life and he earned six figures doing exactly what he loves. And that was the start of Cornbread Hustle. That's what made me go home and and Google how to start a staffing agency because I was like, okay, I think this is like something I can duplicate. That is such an amazing story. I have goosebumps. But you took it one step further. Like you literally started this social innovation staffing firm, one formerly incarcerated or recovering person at a time, right? Like you were hands on every single day, every single hour, helping hold hands with these people that needed a new life back in society. Yes. I don't want to say that I'm hands-on on on every single person that comes through our door today because 
that would be a lie. I'm not. My recruiters do a lot of that, but I know every single person that we place and the clients that they're placed at and what their challenges are and how much they're getting paid. And every time somebody gets a raise or gets a praise report, I'm copied on the email. So I'm pretty involved. So we're going to have to take a quick break, Sherry. So I hope you'll stick around because I have a whole bunch more questions and I'd like to have you talk about the trajectory, how you went from a five-figure company to a six-figure company, no, six-figure company to a seven-figure company almost overnight with this idea. Absolutely. And it was a five-figure company at one point too. So you had that right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, hang tight. Listeners, go grab another cup of coffee. This is Lisa Riley. You're listening to this week's The Hustler Files. Franklin County has a vibrant history of farming. At the Franklin County House of Correction, we bring that history to life with education and vocational programs around farming and gardening. Incarcerated men and women learn to work in active organic garden. Best of all, what they harvest, they send home to help support and feed their families. This is Sheriff Chris Donnellan, and I can't think of better therapy than farming and feeding your family. That's the history of Franklin County, and we honor it at the Sheriff's Office every day. Welcome back to this week's The Hustler Files. I'm Lisa Riley, and if you're just joining us, we're here with Sherry Garcia, a social innovator and founder of Cornbread Hustle, a nationally recognized leader in second chance staffing and recruiting. So Sherry, once again, welcome to The Hustler Files. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so we kind of covered how you got started, but let's jump ahead. I want to hear a little bit about the story of how you took Cornbread Hustle from a five-figure company to a seven-figure company. And I'm not going to say literally overnight, but it was pretty close. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate that overnight term, though, because it's been a 10-year process, but I guess it seemed overnight. I was one year sober. I don't even think I was break even. I was doing PR on the side with several clients just to be able to afford my workman's comp. I wasn't even making enough money to pay the cost for the company. And so one year sober, COVID hit. And I was like, oh, no, I have this disease of alcoholism and drug addiction. And now there's this virus that's breathing down my neck. I got instantly nervous. A lot of fear set in. I saw the news headline. I heard what people were saying. Businesses are going to shut their doors. We're going to go on lockdown. Nobody can make any money. So I wanted to do everything I could to make ourselves essential. This is even before they were even talking about essential businesses. So I was like, look, I know that if I don't want to shut down and I can't afford to do it, I know a lot of other companies can't either. So I got the few employees that I had at the time and I said, hey, I'm going to buy hazmat suits and I'm going to learn everything there is to learn about disinfectant. I'm going to buy electrostatic spray guns and I'm going to start educating the public on disinfectant kill time. And I'm going to buy this germinator thing that detected how much germs was left after you cleaned the surface. And I said, I'm going to do PR. I'm going to go on the news with this thing. And we are going to be the people to call if you want keep your essential workplace germ-free so you can stay open. And so we did that. We had our first six-figure month. So I made about $100,000 that month. And that was kind of the springboard where I could stop doing PR on the side. Something happened that I didn't expect, and I wish that I could take credit for this strategy. But as we were disinfecting all of the essential workplaces, 
whether it was a plant manager, an HR person, or an executive, they were like, oh no, nobody's coming to work, especially entry-level workers, because they were getting paid more to sit at home on unemployment. Guess who is not eligible for unemployment? People coming out of prison because there's no work history. And so it did feel like overnight, all of a sudden, we were the hot place to come to if you wanted employees. So our phone started exploding. And that year, we did a million dollars because we were able to prove ourselves and show that, look, it's really not that scary. Now, even though since 2016, so this was what, 2021? 2016, I had been going on LinkedIn. I went on the Steve Harvey show. I think it was in 2012, talking about second chance hiring and giving an opportunity to people coming out of prison. So for me, it just felt like, okay, where have you guys been? (laughs) But to everyone else, it was like, wow, this is really a novel idea. I didn't even know it was going to take a crisis for us to get a chance. I never prayed for a crisis because I didn't even know to pray for that. And that's what's fascinating is that you were so focused on this second chance staffing, but you saw an opportunity when a crisis hit and you took a pivot that literally led you right into a trajectory of a seven-figure company for the original idea of staffing. But that wasn't what you were thinking. You were just thinking, how do we stay afloat? And you know what? I think if you probably went back and looked at some of the most successful entrepreneurial and especially social innovation companies of the last decade, you would probably find that it's that pivot into something else so that you can sustain what you want to do and have you know money coming in that have eventually sort of leads you into back into what you originally started with. And I always look at this and say, well, that definitely had to be God directing you because there's no other way that, you know, you're a smart woman, but something put an idea in your head. And so congrats to you for being smart enough to follow your instincts. Thank you. I was just, honestly, I can't take much credit for it. I was just shaking and trembling with fear and doing whatever it took not to lose everything. The $1 I had in the bank account was more than the negative $3,000 in a repoed car and homeless, you know. So I was just like, no, whatever it takes for me to hold on to this one measly dollar I have left in my bank account, that's what I'll do. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, you bring up God. I'm a firm believer in God. And that's why 828 is on the back of my jersey. I'm in roller derby and I have a jersey and on the back of it it says 828. And it's Romans 828, which is all things good and bad happen for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And that's kind of what COVID was for us is even though it was a crisis and I was shaking in my boots and trembling, all things were made right because I stayed sober. Like there were two things that I knew I had to do, love people and stay sober. That's it. As long as I do those two things, it all works out, even though I have some really bad days. And today, I even I have real bad days. Our, my problems look different. My car, I'm not looking out the window to see if my car's getting reposed, but there's other problems that I have to deal with that are even more scary. Like now I look back, I'm like, oh, the simple days when I just had to worry about my car being reposed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I I don't know that that that's simple, but I, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so what I find fascinating. So now let's fast forward. These companies have now started coming to you, but when you give them employees to hire, they're not covering any of that employee's expenses, right? So you're covering their hourly wage, their workers' comp, their insurance. So you found a way to protect the employer from if something went wrong with an employee by chance that, you know, they took a chance on because you were handling all of the back end of that employee's side of the business. Yes, it is 100% our employee. The best way to put it is our employees, we were waving them goodbye and we're letting the company utilize them for the day or the week or the month. The goal is that after 90 days, that company will hire them directly and make them a part of their family. So the company puts all the liability on us. We are happy to take that liability because we truly believe in what we're doing. This isn't a nonprofit. We're not raising money for our efforts. We are only making money for our results. And so if we get results and you want to hire someone permanently, then we're very happy. We're also happy to keep them on our payroll as well, because that is the only way that we make money. And we're able to be more hands-on with our employees because they're our employees. Once they're not our employees anymore, I mean, we're still like Benny. I still text him all the time. And I'm real close to just Anybody who's converted with us, we keep a relationship and even people who haven't converted. I just got, um, and when I say converted, I mean like get hired after the 90 days. Right. But I just got a letter from somebody in jail. Obviously, they went back to jail. I don't know what for, but they were asking me if I could help them with their W-2 so they could file their taxes because they're sitting in jail right now trying to get their life back on track. And I'm sure that that person will probably come to us after he gets out and we'll hear about what happened and he will explain what he's learned from it and we will make a decision at that point if we rehire that person and that happens we're not just second chances sometimes we're third fourth and fifth just like I needed I told you that I got addicted to meth in 2004 and it took all the way to 2018 2018 for me to get completely sober. So success is not linear. No, it's not. Some of the new language now is more about fair chance hiring instead of second chance because sometimes it's third and fourth and fifth time. But what the work that you're doing is phenomenal. And and I have a couple more things we need to cover before we let you go. One, you also created this 12-step program that's now being utilized in a variety of different prisons. Can you give us a sort of a 30-second overview of that? Yes, it's the 12-week starting over program, and it is on tablets in several prisons. And I created it because I myself had to get through real recovery, not just quitting cold turkey and stuffing my feelings down and seeking validation through success, which is what I did, but actually walking through facing my feelings and all of those emotions. And so the first eight weeks of the program is all about codependency, recognition recognizing triggers and what to do whenever you feel those triggers, 
recognizing toxic traits, understanding the difference between setting up walls, setting boundaries, and how both of them or one of them can hurt you and one of them is very important. Just things that a lot of people that are in prison might not have had access to. So I try to be that person on the opposite end of the screen talking with them, not at them, but with them. And I let them know, hey, I'm Sherry. I'm talking to you from my living room because that's what I want this to be. A conversation between me and you. I'm either ahead of you. I'm not behind you. I'm walking side by side with you through this journey. And so I did create that because I learned very quickly that just becoming successful or just getting a job was not going to be sustainable. It's like I said, 2004, got addicted to meth. 2018, (laughs) that long later, I didn't finally like really get my stuff together. And so a lot of that's because I just lacked the emotional sobriety. I didn't have like the emotional IQ. So a lot of the people that we work with, they take that course and they become stronger employees, stronger fathers, stronger brothers, stronger moms. And so that's a very important project to me. That's awesome. And we're going to run out of time. I have one last question I ask all my guests, and I didn't forewarn you about this, but I believe we all have life assignments and they do change. But if you had to look at your life right in this moment, what do you think your life assignment is? I think my life assignment is to educate and empower people in a way that allows them to process their own feelings without feeling guarded. And so that's kind of what I did with the 12 week starting over program. That's what I do on LinkedIn. I know you mentioned to me like that the new language is fair chance. Absolutely know that. But a big reason why I use fair chance and second chance interchangeably is because when I'm educating people on fair chance hiring, I don't want them to get stuck on wondering why it's fair chance hiring and what does that mean? I do really good at meeting people where they're at, whether it's somebody coming out of prison or a billionaire. I have a lot of empathy where I can just meet you right where you're at and talk with you instead of at you to de-guard you so you can process those feelings, whether it leads to you getting out of prison and finding the job of your dreams or if it leads to you changing your heart and opening your doors for second chances. That's wonderful. I love that. Meeting people where you're at. I think Oprah would tweet that if uh, you were sitting with her uh, talking. Sherry, how can people reach out to your organization, whether they are a second chance employer or somebody whose relatives are getting family or getting released or in recovery and looking for jobs? What's the best website? The best place to go is hornbreadhustle.com and you'll be able to contact us there or see all of our available jobs. And I see most of the emails that come through. That's wonderful. Again, I can't thank you enough. I know there's so much I wanted to ask you that we didn't get to cover. So maybe you'll come back again in the future and maybe you'll come back with Jeff and I'll have the two of you on together. That would be wonderful. I would love to have a back and forth chat with him. I went through his book and highlighted all sorts of different areas that I think he would be thrilled to see how accurate it really was. Well, Sherry, I wish you and your team continued success as you fight the good fight to help individuals who've been impacted by criminal justice system or are in recovery. I can't tell you enough 
about how important the work is that you're doing. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you too. And listeners, sit tight. We'll be back with more of The Hustler Files in a minute. You became an RN, LPN, mental health clinician, counselor, or recovery professional because you believe in the value of wellness, treatment of disease, and prevention of illness. And that also means that you have the right stuff to join the medical and mental health care team at the Hamden County Sheriff's Office. Making the world a better place takes a village, and even more so with justice-involved individuals. So why not consider dedicating your next career move to changing countless lives for the better? Visit hcsoma.org. That's hcsoma.org to join the team today. We are back. And this week, an assortment of thoughts from one of my favorite sites, The Daily Coach. You are not your past. You are not your future. What matters is who you are in the present. Often the hardships of life are easier to endure if we don't have to survive them alone. You may not be able to control the factors around you, but you can and must be aware, react, and prepare for them while anticipating what will happen next. And lastly, if I must sit in judgment of someone, let it be me. I want to thank everyone who is involved with The Hustler Files and our advertisers and our guests. Remember, you can find all of our shows on the WHMP.com podcast page or any of your favorite podcast sites. Have a wonderful week ahead. And remember, don't be ashamed of your story like Sherry. It will inspire others. See you next week right here on The Hustler Files. (laughs) 